Hello, my name is Danny Flood. Thank you so much for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of passion and adventure and setting up a location-independent business and lifestyle that can help support your dreams. And I'm really excited today to have location-independent entrepreneur Nick Rammel on this call today because he's someone who started multiple businesses in China and uh, been successful at it. He's learned a ton along the way, and now he teaches other entrepreneurs how to do the same. Together with his friend and partner, Tim, he's started a wine importing business called Royal American Wines, started a, a watch company called Vincero Stone Watches, which raised over $130,000 on Kickstarter, and he's also the owner of Enter China, a mastermind forum for entrepreneurs in China, and also The Elevator Life, theelevatorlife.com. I just wanted to welcome you, Nick. Hey, Danny. Thank, thank you very much for the, the kind introduction. Very happy to be here, and I'm happy to uh, share the experiences I've, I've had over the past few years, and hopefully uh, your, your listeners enjoy it. Thank you so much, Nick, for your time. Um, Nick and his company have been featured on programs such as Tropical MBA, uh, Location 180, CNN, and others. Um, so, Nick, why don't you tell me and tell the listener in your own words, what is the elevator life? Uh, the elevator life to us is the ability to, you know, capitalize on just the globalization and, and the modernization of the world today. You know, there's there, there's no need to focus on domestically, especially when you look at, you know, um, the Internet, product development, just these modern revolutions that, you know, fundamentally changed the way business was done to where now anybody, an individual from anywhere has the ability to, um, you know, start and run their own business from, you know, their sofa to halfway around the world. And it's just all about capitalizing on those opportunities and, and making the most of what's available today. And so how does this, um, in this sense, how does it apply? How is it unique to China uh, where you guys have set up shop? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Actually, wait. Let's, a, let's, a, let's go back for a second. <laughs> um, oh, all right. I was going yeah, uh, to go on a spiel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about your journey. Like, what led you on this journey of becoming an expat entrepreneur in China? Because I know you're from. Uh, you've been in Guangzhou for over three years now. Uh, in case, mm-hmm. in case you guys didn't know, Guangzhou is the metropolis opposite of Hong Kong in mainland China. Uh, but you come from Beaverton, which is. Totally opposite end of the spectrum, uh, middle class suburbia. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, good old, good old Beaverton. I'll be there next week, actually. Um, oh, I've been there before I, myself, actually. So. You, uh, oh, you have. Yeah, I spent a month in uh, Tigard last year, uh, last year out in the outskirts of Portland. Oh wow, 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 wow! That, uh, yeah, that's incredible. I'm actually, I'm actually going back to host our wine distributor, but um, I mean, we'll we'll jump into that. Uh, a little bit, lo- uh, a little bit down the road, but you know, we we were just searching for opportunity. Uh, we graduated from university in 2010, and you know, the world economy at that time, uh, especially you know, the United States, was still kind of hurting from the the kind of financial crisis of 2008, and the the main beacon of light. In, in regards to business world was was China, you know the growth here, the the modernization, the 
just, just really, it was, it was the focus of everybody globally. I mean, you go to any major news outlet, they have a on China section. And, and we just knew that it was, if we put ourselves where the most opportunity is, then, you know, we're, we're increasing our odds of finding something that we could capitalize on or pursue. And, and that's exactly what we did. I also studied abroad here in university for six months. And, uh, and that was just, that was really what did it for me. Uh, I, I was in Shanghai, um, right before the world expo. So everything was uh, ramping up. I think a quarter of the world's cranes were in Shanghai at that, at that time, like they were just building like crazy. And, and every time I was riding the Metro to my internship, I just got to go through this huge metropolis of, you know, development and building and skyscrapers and new Audis and, and BMWs and, you know, all the premium high-end malls and shops popping up. And then I go home to the U.S. and, you know, Auto Row in Beaverton, half the dealerships are gone. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of their homes are being foreclosed on. It was just like a – it was a complete 180. And I was like, okay, now, you know, I, I need to go back to the place where – all the growth is happening, not where all the regression is happening. So um, that's exactly what we did. And, and we worked during the summer after we graduated. And then we got on a plane, um, us and a few other buddies. None of us had ever been to Guangzhou. And it was, uh, it was an experience from there. Let's just say that. <laughs> did you guys have much of a plan when you uh, set forth? Or was it just like we're going to arrive and figure it out? You know, we, we all came over here as part-time English teachers. That was and still is one of the most viable options for anybody who wants to get their feet on the ground in China while not having to completely uh, depend on themselves. You know, if their savings account isn't too big or they don't, um, you know, they don't want to just come here and be a little uncertain of where to go next. So part-time teaching I mean, to this day, is still a great opportunity. You can do half days Monday to Friday. You can do full days Saturday, Sunday. And that leaves you, you know, over 40 hours a week to build your dream business, which is exactly what we did in our spare time. And to, <laughs> unfortunately, we signed up with a company that was, we found out was less than reputable, and we all got we got pretty burned uh, our first six months here. Thank goodness we came as a group because um, it, w- it was a very difficult time. You know, uh, we moved uh, Beaverton, a, a city of 70,000 for me. Uh, I'm, I'm, then I moved to Guangzhou, which is a city of 20 million people. Um, you know, I don't speak the local language, Cantonese. Uh, the, the the weather here is, you know, subtropical rainforest, like incredibly hot and humid. And it was just, uh, you know, different types of food, uh, different types of transportation, not being able to drive, all these things that, you know, it was, um, it, it was absolutely a difficult experience, especially because we had, we had no one to consult about it. You know, we had no one to talk to and say, what's Guangzhou like? Where should we go to eat? Where, um, what bars are popular? Where's a good gym? None of that. We, we literally just showed up and we're like, okay, this is, this is pretty wild. <laughs> right, and you just uh, brought up a great point there. I think someone who's uh, where you were in your shoes uh, a few years ago, um, probably encountering those, like maybe they want to do something, but they're encountering that same fear or uh, that 
deterrence of the unknown. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think I, I believe it was Tim Ferriss who said it. It was, you know, people are more happy, unhappy than uncertain. You know, right. it's it, it's true that change is not a welcome thing for most people. It, it was it, it it is pretty scary. You know, even today when when things are changing in, in my life and our businesses, it's like, all right, like what's next? You know, you don't know what's around that corner. But also, if you have a support system or you know people to talk to about it, um, or you just you you know have a, a good I guess perspective and you're ready to see you know take on whatever comes next and you're, you're you know you're trying to make life better then it's something you have to do yeah I think I think that's a great word perspective um, and and when you have mentors and you have good information uh, if you can break down the fear and get the right information uh, to get where you want to go I think that can help overcome that hurdle um, yeah one hundred percent uh you know we had to learn everything on our own mm-hmm. and that's why it took us <laughs> a really long time to finally figure out how to do, you know, build in the right direction. Because we, to be honest, we were we were trying to do anything and everything we could. And, you know, we got that kind of entrepreneur ADD, if you will, where we would jump from opportunity to opportunity anytime we saw something that looked a little shinier or something that looked like we could make, you know, quote unquote, you can make more money in this many months or, you know, this will be a great business. And and that always attracted us, uh, you know, rather than, okay, here's a good opportunity. Let's focus on it. We'd build up a little momentum, you know, maybe get a little bit of revenue generated and then, oh, wait, what's this over here? Completely neglect what we've already been building. And then, you know, that one would obviously stop and and die. And then what did the new one we were working on would be starting from scratch again. And it's like, you know, I wish... I wish, uh, I, you know, looking, I don't regret anything we went through because it got me to exactly where I am today and I love where I am today. Yeah. But, you know, the experiences and the downfalls and, and, and the, um, the days of uncertainty, uh, I don't wish that on anyone, you know, those were, uh, those are definitely trying times. Yeah. And I think, um, being inundated with options and not being selective, not knowing what to do, like, um, I'm just thinking if I was going to go and do what you do, and, and I just I just Googled, for, for instance, teach English in China. Yeah. Um, like, let's say I wanted to say, like, I, I'm the listener right now, and I'm listening to you talk about how English is a great opportunity. I just, I just looked up teach English in China, and then I see ads, 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 ads. Um, yeah. SEO optimized oh, yeah. articles, teaching in China, teaching jobs in China. Like, okay, where the hell do I go now? <laughs> I'm already, yeah, I'm already right? confused. It, it, it's... Yeah, there's there's so many options out there, and you know there's a few resources. Um, I think I think Dave's ESL Cafe. I think he's based in Korea. Um, I, this is when I looked at it four or five years ago. Okay. I'm hoping the site's still up, but you know that's a great resource if you want to find good schools. You know if you want to find a reputable platforms to use. That was that was our problem. We just found one said hey let's you know let's go with this this guy was in the u.s he was helping us out you know we already we get to china we find out it is not the most spectacular company Uh, we didn't ask for any references and you know that was a mistake on our part of course we didn't know and 
turns out we Google the company after already working for them. And it's like, avoid this company. Do not sign a contract. And that was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is great news. Uh, <laughs> it's funny now, but at the time it was like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so your you know. recommendation is, yeah. is to do a background check, do a little due diligence uh, just using Google? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- that is my motto for life. Like, just do your due diligence, do your research, like, valid, like, you know, validate whatever is next, you know, whether it's validating your business model, validating your product, there's, you know, validating your next step. There, there's logical factors, you know, to make progress. And as long as you check every box on the way, you're great. But most people just want to run to that, you know, that last box without doing any of the research or the due diligence leading up to it. And that's how you get burnt. And people ask, oh, why or how? It's like, well, you know, you skip some steps and you skip some steps, uh, you know, you overlook some things. You're going <laughs> to you're going to be pretty surprised when you get to the end. OK, Nick. So what are some of those uh, check boxes if you uh, if you see an opportunity, obviously, because you've encountered a whole bunch of opportunities um, in your own journey? What have you? Yeah, learned? yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, first and foremost is validation, you know, um, for example, everybody has a good idea, right? Or everybody thinks they have a, a great idea, the next big thing. And I mean, in our consulting business, uh, we talk to a lot of clients who have already, you know, started getting their product developed, already purchased stock, already have staff, already are, are spending dollars on marketing and advertisements. When they haven't even had one conversion. They haven't even had one visitor to their website. That's not up yet. They haven't, you know, had one opt-in for, you know, uh, their email list for when this product is available. They, they, they haven't validated there's even a demand for this product. So, you know, it's, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse, if you will. It's like, guys, come on. Uh, here's a great idea, you know, get it rendered, maybe uh, get a, yeah, a professional rendering, throw it up on your website and, and see, you know, drive some ads to it, drive some visibility to it. See if people show up at your website, see if, if they're interested, will they opt in? Will they leave their email address? Do they want more information to product? Or is everybody coming to your website and leaving? You know, and then of course this depends on your site or your pitch or your sales copy, whatever. But but the point is, is is that people are trying to, um, you know, people are trying again to do the easy part first. You know, anybody can come to China and have something made. A Chinese factory will never say no to your money. But how about you, you know, the customer acquisition? That's the hard part because you know they're. There's so many options available in the world today. What what is it? You know why why you? Um, and and that again leads to like a competitive advantage. Do you have a competitive advantage? You know, is it price? Or do you want to play the that game where you're competing against you know the people who can are, are bigger than you or have large, large higher buying power, higher marketing dollars? Can you play that game? Um, you know, or is it something like a unique competitive advantage? Does your product do something else um, that um, competitor A, B, and C don't have? You know, you kind of have to identify these things before you even think about pursuing the opportunity. Um, 
a, a quick example with us with wine, when we wanted to get started, we wanted to bring in some California wine and we thought, Oh, you know, we're from America. That's easy. And everybody knows, everybody knows California. And then we show up to these trade shows and it's like our price because of like, because of the purchase amount we were looking at based off the samples we wanted, it was like less than 5%. It was less than 1% of what the big guys were doing legitimately and so on a price point basis you know we could compete from a marketing and um marketing dollar standpoint we couldn't compete and it was just like all right so <laughs> probably shouldn't do california and and that's what led us down the oregon and washington wine path because no one was doing that yet in southern china so we saw that as an open opportunity. Uh, we had great relationships to the connections to um, wineries back in Oregon and Washington. I'm from Oregon, Tim's from Washington. And, you know, we had a few wineries put some faith into us. We brought some of the wines over and a few few samples at first and, and went around, you know, had a tasting event with some F&B outlets, some hotels, and they loved them. They're like, these are great wines. We we would purchase these. You know, we got commitments. If this wine is here, I will buy it. And we were like, hey, there we go. You know, okay, you know, baby steps. We validated there is a demand. Now let's fulfill that demand. What we didn't know is shipping and customs and payment terms would, you know, take about six to eight months from when we shipped the wine to when we saw our first dollar. And uh and that just leads to building you know, building a smarter business model, which trial and error, my man, that, that's what it was from the beginning. And that's what it's always going to be for most entrepreneurs. Um, you, you get smarter and, you know, you start pursuing better opportunities and you're able to evaluate the right and wrong way to do things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you're going to have to take at least uh, a leap of faith. Differences, leaps used to be huge and now they're like calculated risk leaps, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, you speak, you speak like a... Uh a veteran entrepreneur now, the way you're breaking this down to uh, newbies. Um, oh, man. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I would still put myself in that, in the newbie category. Uh, just, well, I definitely, yeah. <laughs> excuse me? Here's, here's the thing. I'm sure there's someone listening to this saying like, yeah, you know, validation is, is a great concept, uh, but they're, they're still not sold on it, I think. And okay. I, I don't know because I think that that some first-time entrepreneurs, or I think the reason why most entrepreneurs uh, take the opposite approach or would-be entrepreneurs, um, is because of that ego aspect. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they think that oh. I have a great idea, you know, and my idea is so good that I'm just going to push it out there. Everyone's going to love it. Um, they're they're tying their own identity into uh, the creation of their business. And it's, it becomes who they are. Unfortunately, I mean, when you become an entrepreneur, it's, it is who you are. It's your lifestyle. Um, absolutely. And absolutely. For, for, for me, what, what you just mentioned, I mean, really resonates. Because, like, you know, I run my entrepreneurship community for China. And, and there's two things I always see the, the newbies do, I guess, if, we're, if that's how we're going to label them. That's a little more, a little nicer, uh, you know. Is is one they're they're reluctant to share their idea, you know. Um, you know, I'm I, I'll jump on a call. Hey, you know, Nick, I want to talk about this business idea I have, and then we jump on a call and they won't tell me what it is. I'm like, well, I, I can't help you if you don't tell me the exact 
you know, the exact business you're looking to pursue. And they're like, you know, oh, well, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want you to steal my idea. And, and that <laughs> right off the bat is just like, you know, I, my own, I, <laughs> I laugh and I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, cause I, I have so much free time to just go steal your idea and build and uh, build a completely separate business. You know, uh, it's like <laughs> one, if you're worried about someone stealing your idea, then, you know, you need to work on your confidence and say that you believe you can execute this better than anyone else. You know, it, it's again, it's not who does it first. It's who does it right. Like, you know, if you come out there with this product, it's good, but then someone out there is able to take this opportunity further than you, then, you know, then you, you have to be prepared to, to compete. I mean, business, man, it's, it's a, it is a dog eat dog world and, and it's super competitive and it's like, uh, business is the funnest game in the world. You know, I, I always want to play. So, uh, that's why I'm always trying to pursue it. And then, and then secondly, uh, is the, for me, the, the fear of, like you said, the fear of, people um, being told they're wrong or being told no. I mean, nobody likes that. That's a universal fact. But when it's constructive criticism, you know, from other entrepreneurs or people who have existing successful businesses, if someone tells you this business model is not going to work or, or may not work, or maybe you should pivot it a different way, or maybe simplify your product, you know, that that should be taken as gold advice because you're taking it from people who have done, you know, exactly what you want to do. But a lot of people are scared to put their, themselves out there um, because they they don't want to handle the rejection and they don't want to listen. Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, hopefully, uh, best of luck. But that normally doesn't work out well for for most people. You know, again, validation. It, it comes back to. Ask people, is this a good idea? Would you buy this? And then go actually see if people will. There's, you know, once once you get a, a confirmed purchase or someone entering their email address, any any of those smallest steps show you, okay, there is an interest. So how do I move forward from there? Okay, I have two two questions. Um, they're both kind of not related. Um, <clears throat> the first one I, I want to, since we're on this this topic. Um, what if what if you have a great idea but it's it's ahead of the curve and um, you ask people and they they don't quite see the opportunity um, and, mm-hmm. and it's like I, I give you an example my my dad um, he started a golf business and uh, he's the first to create the graphite golf shaft um, oh wow yeah and and so back then he, he wanted to sell it for you know forty dollars per shaft and um, the steel shafts were selling for one dollar. And everyone was telling him, you know, you're not going to be able to uh, sell this for $40 when a standard shaft sells for $1. And what they didn't realize mm-hmm. is that, you know, the average golfer would be happy to spend an extra $35 if they could add 10 yards to their drive or 15 yards to their drive. I mean, that, that was such a, a strong motivator that it's, it makes it price elastic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you know when, when, you, when you have an idea that, that will resonate so well with the market, even though people tell you it's not going to work. Um, you, you, how, how do you, you, do you trust your gut in those situations? For me, so real quick mm. in China, 
the the people I hang out with, the, my the friends of mine, my best friends, uh, everyone is an is an entrepreneur. Everyone runs their own business in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. And when you're in that kind of, I mean, you know, like uh, how Dan and Ian have the Tropical MBA. Or excuse me, how they have the uh, uh, Dynamite Circle. Right. And like how we have Enter China, you know, be, being in one of those communities is is so powerful because, it, you know, if you come to the table with an idea or I mean, even if you're just chatting with your friends, you know, some who are kind of at least in the entrepreneur space, you're, you're able to, you know, as I said, you're able to have the open conversation and dialogue with with like your friends, your colleagues, your the the community members, and say, okay, is this, uh, you know, is this a good idea? Should I be pursuing this? Yeah, and you're able to poke holes in the theory and and see, you know, if you if you are too too far ahead of the curve, let's say, uh, you know, are you able to to scale it back? You know, one one of my favorite things that Tim and me always talk about is, you know, don't don't focus on that that million dollar idea first if you know if if you're if it's your first you know project out the gate you know get get a little bit of validation build build that small build that ten thousand dollar business i mean make make that hundred dollars in revenue first just to prove to yourself you can make you know you can generate that revenue you can generate that value and if you can do that then it's time to you know figure out the next steps or um, you know how how to make progress on on your project that that's working, but but ultimately, if like you said, if you have an idea, then you you have to, in my opinion, you have to consult outside resources, uh, specifically experts experts or those um, in a similar space, because if you don't, then you know again you you're just going kind of going on your own vision you have blinders on and if you're if you're not consulting those um from a from a, a, sub, a subjective uh, objective excuse me from an objective perspective and you're not open to what they have to say then then how are you going to know that it can be successful and 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 until it's you know you put it out there and then the odd and then it's really then it's really interesting because you've already put all this money and r and d and time into it and you put it out there and it doesn't sell ooh, then you know that's a that's that's a pretty tough pill to swallow um and again it comes back to those checks and the validation in the very beginning before you even get to that level yeah okay um you just brought up some great points there uh one is is find a supportive group of entrepreneurs uh, as soon as possible. If, especially if you're a first time entrepreneur, don't be uh, don't be operating alone, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I think I should continue the story uh, about my dad's company. I mean, maybe he did get lucky a little bit, but the first year uh, they only did about thirty thousand in business. But then he went to a trade show, and then a, a Japanese investor wanted to buy you know, 500,000 of the product or whatever. And ever since then, uh, Whoa, that's a big PO right there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So was the, well, can you, again, that, that brings up an interesting, uh, real quick, if I can interject, Mm -hmm. was, was he ready for that? Was the manufacturing ready or did he run into scaling problems? Did he have to do letter of credit? Did he have the capital financing ready? You know, I mean, 
that that's that's one thing that that I'm very curious to know because that's to go from thirty thousand in revenue to a five hundred thousand piece order. That is a huge, huge jump, and you know most yeah, companies. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they they had to basically uh, multiply their staff by ten uh, after that and scale up very wow. rapidly over the next two months. Um, and you may have heard of the company. Right. It's called uh, Aldila, Aldila Golf Shop. What's it called? Uh, Aldila, A L D I L A. A L D. You know, if I if Tim was on this call, Tim's a golfer. He definitely would. Uh, I grew too frustrated with it in middle school, <laughs> so I've kind of been away from the sport. But I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Tim knows, but it must be an incredible business if he's moving that many units. That's a that's a ton. Yeah, well, this this was back in 1972, so uh, bit of a history there. But Ooh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, that's a long time. Yeah, so so anyway, the the sense I get from from what you told me uh, is that you recommend, um, based on what you've done in the past, uh, focusing on a business model that's already working, focusing on a market that's already maybe there's already competition there. Uh, competition probably yeah. a good sign that there's there's money to be made, but then finding a way that you can be unique and come into that market. And then bake, kind of bake that uniqueness into the product that you create. Boom. Perfect. So you hit that spot on. You know, Dan and Ian, they, they have this, uh, I guess, motto we're saying, the rip pivot jam, if you will. So, you know, you, you see a good idea. You, you kind of you rip it away from the, the, what it is now, you pivot it. So you enhance, you know, and or in, you know, change and or enhance upon what it is and then jam, you know, you slam jam at home, you know, you, uh, you, 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 you build a successful business. And, and this is my favorite, uh, business model or, um, business approach, uh, period. For me, it is, you know, you you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Everybody's so concerned with, oh, everything is already out there. Well, and if everything was already already out there, then tens of thousands of new products and trade shows wouldn't exist. That's an excuse. You know, you're being lazy. You know, get a little creative. You're not creative, but you understand, um, you know, how to run an e-commerce shop. Then get a strategic partner with someone who is creative. You know, or find someone who's very into product development and start, you know, working in tandem with them. Again, uh, a great example of this is, is us ourselves. Um, uh, one of my best friends and one of our, like kind of the very first people we brought to China, uh, Ryan Beltran, who runs Original Grain Watches. Uh, he, he, he launched wooden steel watches, like the very first ones to, to ever hit the market uh, with us here in Guangzhou. And, and he, he killed it. He did nearly, you know, 400,000 U.S. in a month on Kickstarter. And we were like, wow, that's great. Like, that's impressive because at the, at the exact same time, literally, we were closing our wine deal with our large distributor. And we saw the, uh, the amount of resources that he put in to developing these watches. And then also what the amount of resources we put in to, building this business with the distributor and was like, wow, this is a pretty opportune business model, you know, product development, which I have to say is the number one business opportunity for any new entrepreneur today. Uh, please real quick, go to the elevator life, read 
uh, how num- uh, product development is the number one business opportunity in 2014. It's one of our more recent posts, and you'll see why. But you know, we saw this and we said, hey, that's great. He did incredible with wood. What, what's another natural progression of that? Uh, and then we thought of stone. And no one else had stone watches. None existed. And I said, okay, well, we're in China. Let's go develop it. Uh, you know, a few months of R&D and, and working hard, we launched uh, our first line of stone watches, which was Lexel. And those did 225000 I think. 222, something like that. So, you know, again, it was, so, you know, you have a, you have a six figure business in 30 days after, um, relatively low amount of investment. And, and then, uh, and, and, and it just builds in, and, and like investment is in capital time. Uh, it, it doesn't take a lot. And, and again, this, this process has been improved upon so much since, we first did it since Ryan first launched his, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible that now you can consult companies. My buddy, Josh, he, he runs a company that takes people who want to from crowdfunding websites. They, they have their prototype, that's all they have. And they have a successful campaign, but then they're like, you know, they get a hundred thousand plus in a month and 2000 orders and they wanted 200, you know, again, uh Oh, they, you know, no, the, the truth is working in China, manufacturing is so incredibly difficult that it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a learned skill. And, but now if you don't want to come here, there's resources that you can contact who can help you with your product development. And, you know, once you have your product developed, there's resources you can consult for how to launch your crowdfunding campaign. And, and then, you know, you're, you're taking this business that you're passionate about and, and building it relatively quickly compared to what, what could be done before, you know, the traditional model. And, and it's just so exciting. So I have a few questions for you. And I'm a little worried that I'm not going to be able to get to them all. <laughs> uh, no, no, go, go for it. Oh, go okay. It. Um, well, yeah, three questions based on what you just told me. Um, one, uh, when you created Vincero Stone Watches, um, you guys actually raised one hundred and thirty-two thousand, right? Yes. Um, and how, how long did it take from the, the time you had the idea to getting to that point? Uh, from so from concept to reality, from concept to launch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with our experience, it took. About three or four months. Three or four months. Yeah. Wow, that's that's remarkable. And did you did you guys have to hire a product developer to create these prototypes, or did you just draw them up yourself? We drew them up ourselves. Got some validation on the designs from outside parties, friends, okay. family, other people who work in the watch industry. Oh, I see. From uh, and then, from Ryan, for example. So he was like your mentor in that in that business when you started. Well, he, he he was able to, hey, I like this design, um, you know, this one, maybe not so much. And again, me, okay. my business partners and me have very different tastes. So it was, it's pretty balanced as to, you know, what, what we see as mass market because we cover a large demographic of, of you know, backgrounds, tastes, hobbies, uh, style, etc. And... Because of our experience with um, 
Lexel or and on our experience of product development in general, living in China, you know, it was like, oh, great. You know, okay, here's an idea. Now we just have to go figure out how to do it. And then you just have to get the, then you just have to go, you know, that's everybody tosses back and forth. Oh yeah, this would be great. This would be great. And go do it. Take yeah. action. You know, that's it at the end of the day. So, so I think the lesson I, I take from that is if I have an idea for a physical product, what I should probably do is uh, find someone who's already in that, that industry and um, try to befriend them and, and see if I can get some feedback or even some mentorship. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, it's the funniest thing. <laughs> People, like my, my buddy Joshua, I was telling you about. He charges a very fair, I'd say, overly fair rate for the services he offers. Um, and when I introduce people, we say, oh, "I want to do product development," and I say, "Oh, great! You know, um, one, you should join our community because we can help you validate it, and also." consult you on the you know how to launch etc and two you should get in touch with our buddy josh who runs uh who runs a company helping people develop and manufacture their products and they say oh great and i introduced him to josh and you know josh charges uh, a couple hundred dollars up front to you know one validate the idea find the factories um, come back with you for your price per piece, etc. And then if you make an order, he'll charge 10% on that order for quality control, which is an incredible headache here in China uh, for overseeing your production run. He, he streamlined it and people go, Oh, you know, can't you just, can't you just, no, you know, not interested. And it's like, you know, you're not, you're not paying the, you're not willing to pay $199, $199 in your business to invest in your business. To, to validate your idea again, to see if it can be made, you're going to go to Alibaba and work with five different factories who are all charging $30 and they're all going to send you back something that is completely wrong and you're just getting one sample. So they're giving you months, you know, four weeks plus of lead times. It's like, goodness, guys, opportunity costs. Let's think, you know, is a hundred dollars worth saving a, a week of time worth saving three days of time. Absolutely. Just, it, it's just, you know, people think <laughs> the biggest thing is like, when we started the elevator life, it's like people thought we just would work for free or give introductions for free or, yeah. you know, these, these things where it's like, I've been here four years. You think I'm just going to tell you how I've done everything. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> like, unfortunately, like you weren't there or, you know, in the times when my apartment didn't have power when I was eating the street food, because that's all I could afford. Like you didn't see that. All you get to see is the the end result, which I worked my ass off for. And to think that people <laughs> expect to do that on their own, like just come up, hey Nick, by the way, how'd you build that seven figure import business? It's like, oh hey stranger, you know, let me tell you. Come on, <laughs> my geez, like guys, you know, it's not, it's, it's not just a, it's just not, you know, it's not and a. If you can't a, afford the uh, the one ninety nine fee, then. Get a job, right? Basically, get a part-time yeah, job. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, if you can't afford that, then maybe you should rethink building your business. Maybe you should wait to have a little more capital because to get that mold made, to make that initial first order, to even put together your crowdfunding campaign, you know, you're going to need professional photos. You're going to need at least a video that's semi-professionally done. You're going to need money for ad campaigns. 
you know, like it, it is not just like a, you throw it up there and say, hey, who wants this? It's like, no, it is a science. And I'm inside Enter China, we have a how to build a product business, how to build a six-figure product business. Excuse me. That's the title of the blueprint. Where we've had six of our members build six-figure businesses in one month each. And it's like, see, it's well, a science. There's a right way. There's a wrong way to do it. But again, do you guys that just have, goes you guys into have that on your blog. Uh, no, that's in uh, that's inside Enter China, our community. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just because you know it's, it's interviews. It's step by step. Send me any get, links, yeah, any links that you uh, you find irrelevant, and we'll post them on the uh, the podcast page. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. We'll do. You know, always. Again, I, I'm all about helping i mean you can see the elevator life we have over 200 episodes of us of us spending countless hours sitting in front of a camera at you know we have professional lighting so it looks like it's the afternoon it's like 11 p.m it's like midnight you know but it's a passion people need to know that the opportunity in china whether you're here or not is something that needs to be taken advantage of because it has never been like this before. Like the like again, guys, the ability. Yeah, you guys actually say that China is the best place for entrepreneurs uh, on your website. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because as I just mentioned, the product development business. I mean, you can build that from anywhere, anywhere. And if you need, you know, you you have an idea, you have it manufactured here by someone in that space or by someone who's validated, you know then you launch that business, you've launched that product the right way. And if you, you again, if you take all these, the, the precautionary steps, you will have a functional business. It, and you, you don't have to, for example, run the logistics. No, you hire a third-party logistics company in your home country, and they pick and pack all your products. You don't have to have a physical store. You know, you have a www.whateverproduct.com e-commerce store, and then you push exposure and ads to this shop, and then you're, and then it's a conversion game again. Okay, why are people buying? Why are people not? Split test landing pages. Like, it, it, again, it, it's it's fun. It's so exciting, and you can do this anywhere. I mean, I know like where you are right now, and it's it, it, it's a hub. There's a lot of people who are based down there. Uh, because a lot of people think it's crazy to be based in mainland China, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know we're we're just in in the thick of it right now. But um, and, and to be fair, we've been slowly making progress out. Where it's you know it's it's about half and half next year. It's about four out, eight in this year. Um, but months that was. But um, but yeah, I mean to the ability to to you can run that shop anywhere. You know, and you can build build a business around a product you really, really enjoy. So then you're not working. You're just trying to improve your own life. You know, you have a problem. Odds are someone else in this world has that same problem. Odds are quite a few people do. How do you solve it? What product can you make? Go make it. But also what you're doing, too, is, is unique to the, the Chinese market as well, right? Which part? Um, well, I'm, I'm just – right now I'm trying to suss whether uh, – when I, when I was living in Taiwan, um, I would often hear stories of, of expats who tried to set up a business in mainland China and kind of retreating with their tail behind their legs. Uh, the, the reason I, I heard was uh, they would often take a local partner um, in China, yeah. and, um, 
if things went well, they would find a way to cut cut you out, or if things went bad, they would blame you for what's going wrong. That's that's a story I heard. Um, <laughs> and I, I just yeah, wanted, to, I wanted I, to ask you, um, how much of what you do is is unique to China, and do you focus on the Chinese market? Do you take on Chinese partners? Um, what are some of the, the pitfalls, and how do I avoid them? Well, it's different for every business model. Okay. Uh, Importing is one of the most resource-consuming business models to build, but also one of the most lucrative. So you know, it's you're you're kind of it, again, it's a it's a double-edged sword kind of you. No, it is. You know, it's it's hugely opportunistic, but it's also incredibly difficult. Uh, when you step into spaces like uh, manufacturing, China is an expert. At manufacturing, China knows how to make products. That's what they've done for the world for the past 25, 30 years. So, you know that that's something that's not too foreign. But yeah, when you when you take on a foreign business partner and you don't know anything about doing business in China, then you know you're going to get burned. This is again, this is an, a very intricate market, and you know I will never say anything negative about China because what it's been able to do for me in my life and it's, it's incredible, nothing short of incredible. That being said, it took us a while to figure it out and we still run into problems. You know, it's a, it, you have to understand and not, not you, but I mean the listeners, it's a developing country. It, it is still very much a developing country is the economy, the biggest. Yes. Did they just host the Olympics? Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, there's this com- this country is changing very frequently and very rapidly. So you know, there's that that the fact that it's developing again, it's a gift because there are ways around things and there's um, you know there, there's ways to get things done that maybe you couldn't do in, in a developed you know country. But also the the lack of clarity leads to kind of some murky waters, a bunch of question marks, and sometimes policies are different tomorrow than they were today, and and these are things you have to adjust for. Um, it, it's all about being flexible and persistent. Uh, point blank, if you want to do business in China, if you stay here, you will be successful. If you leave, you won't. It is that simple. You're you're here. You're learning from your mistakes. And then you learn how to build upon, you know, build in a progressive way. And everybody we've seen who's here and stayed has built a successful business. And then they've, they're able to leave, they're able to stay, they're able to do what they want. Everybody who came here got fed up and left. They, they didn't, you know, they, they just, they, they weren't able to, they got tired of it. They got too frustrated. And, um, again, it's not for everybody. Not at all. You have to be hardworking. You got to be persistent. You got to be flexible. You have to be open-minded. You know, it's a different country with different rules, and and that's part of the fun is is figuring them out. I mean, yeah. just a, just just a few days ago, I I mean, even myself, I was like, whoa, haven't experienced this before. You know, with near actually, it's been almost five years now um, that I've spent in China, but mm. just kind of said, TIC, man, this is China. Let's let's see what happens. Let it ride. <laughs> wow, so it sounds like a fantastic opportunity, Nick. 
Yeah, you know, there's to be. I can't. I can't preach China enough. I mean, I have two successful businesses around talking business in China mm-hmm. because I, I truly believe in it. I I don't think there's anywhere better than here for if you want to build a business. It's quite quite simply the most opportune place in the world right now. And I mean, mm-hmm. take it from me or take it from the fact that it's growing faster than any other country in history and the concern, the amount of consumers is greater than any other country and the amount of production and manufacturing is greater than any country. I mean, take it from me or take it from the numbers. I don't care. But the fact is this is the place to be for, you know, opportunities in building a business. And uh, one of the most important things you said uh, that makes people successful in China is uh, to have a supportive network when you're out there. Uh, Absolutely. Of entrepreneurs. And I know you're, you're probably going to recommend uh, The Elevator Life and uh, Enter China for that, right? Uh, yeah. Can you tell us some more about that? I, I mean, I think... Yeah, absolutely. I think I've built, I think we've built, Tim and me, uh, a reputable, a reputable and tested resource for business in China. Uh, I, the Elevator Life, our blog, I mean, we, we have people email us every day who have digested every video. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to me. Watched over, you know, watched over 200 episodes of, of Tim and me talking in front of a camera about business in China and they've watched every episode and now they're here in China. And it's like, wow, that's, that's very cool to see. And, and we, our, our goal is to just provide value. Danny, at the end of the day, like if, if this, I've saw this in the import business, because if you're not providing true value and, and by value, I mean something a product or a service that it warrants its price or warrants the exchange of goods for the aforementioned service or product, then you won't have a, a business for very long. You know, it's, it's, it's not about in, in China, for example, the import with the wine, people were coming here and distributing wine because the consumers didn't know any better for, you know, four or 500% markup. And people were making a killing. It was crazy how much money people were making in the wine industry. I mean, you know, selling to, um, well, selling to, let's say, uh, government parties or, or uh, government businesses, if you will, or some of the bigger banks, what have you. And then new policies came into place in 2012, and all of these businesses have since died because the ability, the ability for you know, if I give you two bottles of wine and they're nearly identical in, from, they're from the same place, the same region, same neighboring wineries, and, and one is $10 and one is 50 you know, it's like, where, where, where's the value? Where's the value in the more expensive one? And, and, and it's not there is the point. And so the, the people not delivering value, you know, had to go. And unfortunately, some, some of them were friends of mine. And uh, you know, and, and it, it, the reality was, you know, they had their run, but they are very short-term thinking, and they didn't have the long-term in mind. And for that reason, <laughs> they had a short-term business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, back back to it, the elevator life is all about providing the value 
that if you want to get started, if you're interested in China, you want to know more about it, head to the Elevator Life and just start digesting. You know, get subscribed to our YouTube channel and, and run through our videos, whatever ones interest you. And if you're ready to take it to the next level, if, you're, if you actually want to do business in China, if you're determined, hey, I want to do this, then you need to become a member of Enter China, which is our private entrepreneurship mastermind group. And it's all about a support system for entrepreneurs in China where, you know, I like to think of it as like an ongoing enrollment, like a school. So Tim, me, Mike, Kenny, Shlomo, I mean, I'm, I just drop all real people's names who are all experts in their spaces. Uh, you know, everybody, all those people I just named run incredibly sec- successful businesses in various spaces. Manufacturing, tech, app development, um, uh, online e-commerce businesses outside of China, uh, import, export, product, you name it. You know, those are, let's say, like some of the professors. So there's a big group of professors who joined, um, who were, you know, are in our network and have since grown to the connections of our network who we find reputable. And then we kind of started it. Uh, we opened it earlier this year. And we we did a beta group and gotten some members one-on-one, helping them build. And, and since these people have entered, many of them have come to China. Many of them have improved their businesses. Uh, many of them have visited China, Canton Fair, for our Enter China events. And, you know, that this new group of students has become, like, you know, let's say the sophomores. And then we had a, a official launch in June. And then the new freshmen come in. And then, you know, the sophomores can help teach the freshmen. And then the freshmen have more deeper knowledge questions then they can come to the professors who are us and then it's just been a constant you know the longer you're in this community the, the obviously the more you're going to learn absorb experience and then you can pass that on to the people who are also coming in and then you kind of have the overseeing professors if you will who are able to digest it to a, a deeper level based off the experience so it, it's just an incredible support system and, and it's, it's been it's been a wild, uh, wild experience to see people from all over the world uh, join. And I mean, we have over 130 members right now, uh, and we we uh, we had an EC dinner. It's Canton Fair here in Guangzhou, which is again, if you want to do business, you should attend. Great for idea generation, the world's largest fair uh, for products. Uh, we had EC dinner la- last Friday. And I mean, to be able to see EC members from all over the world come to this dinner, talk business, and then everybody kind of goes in their own little groups. I, I two of the members who literally just joined two weeks ago, talking to one of my most senior members who has built a seven-figure business at, off of building software and app development, and they want to build an app. Could you think of a better person to talk to than the guy who's done exactly what you want to do? time and time over for the biggest companies in the world, you know, and then someone wants to talk to me about importing. Cool. Let's chat. What do you want to talk about? Here's your barriers to entry. Here's how you approach. Here's the markets you should aim for. And then you pivot because it's strategically located next to these markets. Like, you know, and then this Friday we're having another meetup and there's, uh, it's our official one and there's going to be about 20, 30 people. Uh, and, and again, it's just exciting. We have the workshops and we have, um, you know, we attend the trade fair together and then we do dinner and drinks and everybody talks and 
yeah, again, there's there's nothing better than than having a support community in a place you're at that's unfamiliar. It's a great resource that you guys have put together for people. Um, so many, uh, so much that can be learned, and, and so many hard lessons that can be avoided. Uh, yes. What, what was your life uh, before we wrap up here? I, I'm just curious. What, what was your life like before uh, you had this community? Before the elevator life, when you were starting out trying to start your business, uh, were, were you able to to build up a network? And how did you do it when you were there? Great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before it started, yeah, we you naturally build a network wherever you are. I mean, we're social people. And when we're out, you know, at the gym or uh, grabbing drinks and dinner out on the weekends, you, you always meet people. Friend, foreigners are very friendly in China, expats. You know, there's like a uh, – there's like a kind of like an unwritten code, you know, here out here. It's like, hey, you know. Respect, respect the hustle. Um, whether you're whether you're at the top or whether you're at whether you're at the bottom, um, you know it, it's uh, it's it's admired. That that being said, we, we the, I guess it was really the first year. It was as I told you, uh, the first six months in China were probably the hardest of all of our lives, just because. I mean, you're in a, in a foreign place that is, it's like a, it's very unfamiliar to, to most people's cultures. Um, and you have to, you know, I came here with, you know, a group of six guys, actually my best friends. Um, and now, now four of us are business partners and, and, you know, being able to work with them and, and go through the struggles with them was great. But I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to do it alone. And, and again, that's and I couldn't imagine trying to do it. Well, I couldn't imagine going through what I already what I what I went through. You know, so that is that is exactly why we built the elevator life. And then that is exactly why we took it to the next level to enter China. Because man, I, I mean, the amount of emails we get every day about uh, asking for help or wanting to know more details about business A, B, or C, or they're in China and they have questions and, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you have to understand the elevator life is a, is a passion and that's why we were able to put the time into it and pursue it. But, you know, we realize there's a next level demand for people who are serious about doing business in China. Cause a lot of people talk, uh, very few take action. And for those mm. few who are willing to take action, uh, we built Unsear China just for you. And I mean, we have those blueprints. Our, our idea, quite simply, is to um, generate, validate, create. So, generate types of business in China, how to plan your first trip to China, and we're constantly expanding on those. And and you learn, you absorb the information, you and you get your idea, so then you validate. You go into the forums. You go into the help me with my business section. You go into the questions section. You go into the seeking advice section. You throw your idea out there. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to do. Uh, here's my idea. And then you get feedback. This is good because. This can be improved because. Don't do this because. And it's coming from reputable people who are all here and already done it. And then, you know, you, you repivot your idea or you sharpen it a bit. And it's time to create. And this time, take it to that next level and actually start building the business. And that's where 
you know, if you need help with sourcing or manufacturing, guess what? Tons of our members do that. Not only um, freelance for other members, but you know, at an easy rate. You know, oh, you want help with product development? Oh, you need you need a photographer for your product. It's all about resource sharing in China, man. It's all about uh, growing the community to being something very special, which we've done a good job at so far, and we're excited to make it even more incredible as as the years go on. Well, that's great, Nick. Um, you, you shared some some great uh, value in this interview. That's not just true of doing business in China, but just entrepreneurs anywhere. Uh, basically, um, great man. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope I hope they found a little bit of value in, in some of those tidbits and and some of those rants that I went on. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I've, but, uh, I'm so thrilled I mean, to have you here on this on this interview, yeah. and uh, wanted to thank you so much. Yeah, man, thank you. I'm, I, I was very happy to be here as well, and very happy we were able to get in touch. And uh, hopefully, means. Uh, Hopefully, you know your audience found some value out of this, and they uh, they can walk away with some uh, some ideas and some next steps. Absolutely, absolutely. And if if you're listening to this and you're thinking of uh, starting a business in China or just starting a business abroad, uh, location independent business, uh, highly recommend that you check out Nick's website, theelevatorlife.com. Uh, they have a ton of free content on there: blog posts, uh, videos. Um, you can also opt in for their mailing list and get a free starter guide, uh, beginner's guide yep. to business in China. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great that's a great guide. <laughs> and you're not biased if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an objective review from the uh, uh, disclaimer. from the author. From the author, a completely objective review. You Dis- know, like all disclaimer there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much yeah, for being uh, so generous with your time, Nick. I know uh, you're very busy over there, and um, I wanted to thank you again. Of course. Thank you, Danny. And uh, everybody, please, questions about China, head to the Elevator Life. You're serious. Head to enter China and ask any questions, and try to do my best to answer them when I can. So if someone wanted to get in contact with you, uh, how would they do so? Are, are you willing to, to share? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can email us at... Uh, support at enterchina.co is a great one or else actually yeah let's stick with that let's you know support at enterchina.co is, is where most of the, the real questions flow through um if you actually if it's a more of a basic elementary question cruise through the elevator life we've covered a plethora of topics and um there should be something that you know we've covered basic nearly basic nearly every basic step there is uh for to to know about china so just take it to uh head, head there awesome well thanks again nick right. and um best of luck to you on your ongoing ventures um what's next for you thank you very much danny what's next for me yeah. um uh right now i have to be on a train in about 20 minutes <laughs> um, but what's next to me business wise is to continue to I mean, point blank enter China is my passion business Tim and my passion business uh, the the ecstasy of seeing someone else become successful I mean I know that feeling the, the oh my goodness I'm successful feeling 
that is better than any feeling in the world. And to be able to help other people experience that and then enjoy that with them, man, that's something really special. Uh, that there are no words for it. And, and what's next for me is taking our community to the next level. Uh, because I've, we've automated wine, uh, more or less, where my commitments are much, uh, much less, uh, just supporting our main distributor. And now it's time to, yeah, build the business I care about. And Tim is, Tim's helping and also his focus is product development for Vincero. And it's time to keep, time to keep building, man. There's no rest. Awesome. Well, best of luck. I don't want you to miss your train. I know you're in a hurry. All good. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. (laughs) Thanks again, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, Nick. Take care. Bye.